1: We are recording this live in our houses. On I don't. How do you talk
2: about because we're recording it live, but people aren't going to listen to it live, so we're always recording it live.
1: Well, they're they're I'm listening not, like, to it recording... live for them though.
2: No, that's not how it works. <laughs> they're listening to a recorded conversation. <laughs> now, I would be interested to try and do a podcast where you record your part of it. With a lot of pauses, and then I go back through later and listen to the recording and try to come up with some kind of counterpoint to your thing.
1: Yes. Ooh, this is good. And it and if it... Ooh, this sounds like a challenge for so Spooktober. So avant-garde,
2: avant-garde asynchronous podcasting <laughs> that we're
1: pioneering. So this is Overdue. Welcome to... oh, how does the opening go? Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And in a little bit, you're going to be listening to our live show recorded at the Free Library of Philadelphia uh, sometime last month or so. I had a fever. I don't remember when it was.
2: Yeah, y'all, Craig was (laughs) super sick for this show, and I don't think you (laughs) noticed if you were there because he pulled it together pretty well. But like, he was napping at my house for like an hour and a half before (laughs) then, and then we went out, and he was out for dinner with us for like uh, an hour or maybe a little bit more than that. And then yeah, like a distant look in his face and then was just gone. I, yeah, I, I left I my wife. Was gone. Like I
1: just walked outside. There was a cab. I don't know if I paid that cab. I just went home. Um, very, very sick, but we did an episode on treasure Island, uh, by Robert Louis Stevenson. Uh, thanks to the folks at the Philly pod fest for hooking us up with this, uh, venue, uh it was a great crowd. You'll hear them pretty well. It's uh a different sound setup than our previous live shows, so I think you'll still enjoy it, but it's just it's just sounds a little bit different. That's all.
2: Yeah, it's a little echoey, but it's it's fine. It's listenable. I listen to it.
1: Yeah, I think they were trying to they were trying to sort out the venue's equipment at the same time that we were. So uh we really appreciate them putting this together for us. Uh that's Nathan and, and Tegan over at the Philly Podfest. So just send some love their way. We'll we hope to work with them in the future. And yeah, Andrew, we're not gonna do an outro because that is already covered in our live show. But what are you right. talking what book are you reading right now for next week? Um, right now for next week, even as we record this,
2: I'm reading <laughs> The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. Great. Great, great, great. And it's really I'm multitasking very well. I've noticed. Thank you for asking.
1: <laughs> uh, so, and our April schedule should go up soon. I'm also working on Cloud Atlas by David Mitchell for our March bonus episode. You can mm-hmm. find out more about how bonus episodes work at patreon.com slash pod. I think that's it I think you I think sh- that's it Yeah did we mention That we read
2: um, Treasure Island By Robert Louis Stevenson Yeah for the live show yeah. I'm not sure if you did or I not.
1: mentioned that You just weren't just listening making sure You weren't listening Because I was too you were busy Reading, reading Joy, Joy Luck Club. Club Yeah uh, But X marks the spot And the spot Is a funny podcast um, <laughs> And I said some stuff That embarrassed me In front of my mom So I hope you enjoy Hey everybody, welcome to Overdue it's a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. And we are here at the Free Library of Philadelphia. We are so happy you're here with us today. That's There's so many people here.
2: I know. Thanks for coming.
1: Uh, we're kind of like, we're here after hours. It's like pirate radio here. <laughs> pirate radio. Um, and, and Craig, so
2: you read every week one of us, you probably know said. <laughs> every, every week one of us reads a book and then tells the other person about it. Yeah. This week is no exception. Um, and of I'm course, sorry. we're reading... Uh,
1: there have been exceptions, I guess, so that's worth noting.
2: Craig read Treasure Island by uh, Robert Louis Stevenson. Yes. And of course, we read that book because we are so excited, everybody, and I know you are too, for the release of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tell the Tales.
1: So <laughs> pumped for this movie. Which yeah, pirates yeah. are in it? Listen, Johnny Depp is in it. He's a pirate. Joffrey Rush is in it. Also a pirate. Lord Joffrey Rush. Lord, Joffrey yes. Rush. <laughs>
2: Orlando Bloom's back. Oh yeah. Bloomsback on this road. My race, baby. favorite pretty pirate. <laughs> anyway, the fourth one was so good that they just decided they need to make another one.
1: Now, I think you told me that this this movie had a different name originally. Do you uh-huh. remember what it is? It's uh Parts
2: of the Caribbean colon Salazar's Revenge.
1: That's way better. I know. It also Dead sounds Man like
2: Tell a cool arcade game where you like save the streets of the nineties from <laughs> people who do drugs. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and pirates, I bet too. Yeah. <laughs>
2: all right. So let's get started, though. Okay, everybody, go see Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Man's Tales. It's coming to theaters sometime. What's happening to you right now? Uh, but you, what's what's up with Robert Louis Stevenson? There's oh
1: man, there's lots of stuff up with him. Mm-hmm. Um, who has read this book? Let's just like, all right, a decent number of people in this room have read this book. Now,
2: who read the abridged version? All right, a couple hands. Okay, okay.
1: You. And And if you've seen the wishbone? <laughs> okay. Andrew, you, you've seen the wishbone. I have seen the wishbone. All right, so it I'm going to. not
0: helpful. <laughs>
1: so if I get lost on this seafaring journey, I trust that you will bring me back to yeah, shore. Yeah, of course. I'll be uh... your anchor. Oh. Oh.
0: <laughs> Buckle always... up, everyone. <laughs>
1: uh, so Robert Louis Balfour Stevenson uh, was born in 1850 in Edinburgh. <laughs> And he died only 44 years later, which is kind of a sad tale. We'll talk about that. Yeah, he was a cyclic guy. Um, He was a son of a a long line of lighthouse engineers. Which, is that still a
2: job? Like, they still build lighthouses, right?
1: They're out there. I've seen them. Yeah, but he's. So,
2: his dad was a lighthouse engineer, and his dad's dad was a lighthouse engineer, and he didn't want to be a lighthouse engineer.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> boring, I guess. And
2: he, uh, man, there was a really good quote about. Um, so, he told his, after he went to school, and I'm skipping ahead a hell of a bit in his biography. He went okay. to school, and in 1871, he told his dad that he wanted to be a man of letters, which is a writer, I guess. Yeah. An old timey writer. And um, it says that his dad was disappointed, but his mother said that his dad was wonderfully resigned. To his occupational choice. (sighs) Just go write stuff, I guess. Yeah. Promise
1: me you'll write a story about lighthouses for your (laughs) old ma. I'd appreciate it. I just,
2: like, I hope that my parents are wonderfully resigned to whatever it is that I end up doing. (laughs) This, I guess.
1: Shine a light on the truth for me, Robbie. Mm -hmm. Get it?
2: Books are like lighthouses
1: of words, if you think Totally. Um... (laughs) What? <laughs> uh, before he became a man of letters, um, disappointing his dad or resigning his dad to whatever, uh, he spent a lot of time in and out of school. He was uh, ill a lot as a mm-hmm. kid. They think he might have had tuberculosis. He had some other diseases. Yeah, there's
2: um, um, people thought it was TB, and then tuberculosis. Um, yes, that's what I said. But <laughs> then, is... but like more modern doctors think he tuberculosis. Had a... <laughs> A couple of diseases that I specifically looked up the pronunciation of and now I don't remember. Um, Bronchiectasis and a sarcoidosis. That's my favorite dinosaur. Sarcoidosis. They're all lung diseases. (laughs) He had bad lungs.
1: He had bad lungs, yes. A weak chest, as they said. A weak constitution, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was in and out of school a lot as a kid, um, and he eventually ended up in the University of Edinburgh where he did study engineering, but then, of course, disappointed his father. Uh, And he went on to move to London and became friends with Sidney Colvin and Fanny Sitwells in the 1870s. And that's how he got into like the London literary circle. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to add that I have skipped over?
2: Um, just more about how he disappointed his parents. Man, well, why did I zero <laughs> in on this? What does this say? <laughs>
1: did he take a special trip with his dad or anything? I mean, he traveled
2: around with his dad to see lighthouses, but it was mostly so he could just write about traveling and not so he could write about lighthouses. Yeah, <laughs> so. well... Um, he also later in life, so his parents were um Presbyterians, and he had a uh he had a nurse who had a nickname that was interesting. Do you want to say the nickname i don't
1: want to say the nickname Andrew. Okay, we
2: won 't say the nickname go look it up no, say it. Uh,
1: hold on i 'll pull up her obituary what's
2: her real okay
1: um this was in this, i can't believe I'm reading this out loud
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe if you have sensitive ears um Stevenson's nurse dead, it, a London newspaper said. Alison Cunningham, parentheses, Cummy, lived to be <laughs> over 91 years old. The Edinburgh correspondent of the Daily Telegraph announces that Alison Cunningham, Robert Louis Stevenson's loved nurse Cummy, died two days ago in Edinburgh in her 92nd year. The lines of dedication in which RLS immortalized her are familiar to all readers of the Child's Garden of Verses. And then there's a bunch, there's like some poetry that he you dedicated to her. You get the idea. Yeah. You get yeah. the idea. You're so, a terrible person. So his parents
2: were Presbyterians. Cummy was a strict Calvinist. <laughs> and her folk tales often gave him nightmares as a kid, which is another thing I found. But um, so later in life, he declares himself an atheist. And because his parents are very religious, they didn't like that. And he wrote this of his parents' reaction to his announcement. What a damned curse I am to my parents. As my father said, you have rendered my whole life a failure. As my mother said, this is the heaviest affliction that has ever befallen me. Oh, Lord, what a pleasant thing it is to have damned the happiness of probably the only two people who care a damn about you in the
1: world. Poor Robbie. Damn, dude. Maybe you should have just, like, kept pretending. Maybe you, like, go be a lighthouse engineer and just, like, write on the side. <laughs> Oh, and, like, go to church. <laughs> but,
2: it's, but his he did patch up his relationship with his father later. His father did wire him money when he was sick later, mm-hmm. and then um, his wife, Fanny, who he married.
1: Yep, Fanny Van de Grift Osborne. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, she was very charming and apparently helped patch things up between between Robbie she and the She was husbands, pretty charming, I think. Folks. Yeah.
1: Uh, he met her in France, and she already had three kids from a prior marriage. Uh, mm-hmm. She was an American woman, and so he would then travel to America... To be with her, uh, and then they spent the latter part of his life traveling around the South Pacific to find like a part of the world that didn't make his chest so bad. Like, to put it bluntly,
2: yeah. Like everybody thought it was the olden times, so everybody thought that just being in a warm place made your chest better. And I don't think that's so glad you're not lost, my doctor. Yeah, no, it's probably not wrong. What if I was your doctor? This
1: would be a very different podcast. <laughs> Uh, but so, yeah, they married in 1880 and then uh, would eventually settle in Samoa. They spent a lot of time in, you know, they spent time in Tahiti and New Zealand and Hawaii uh, and eventually landed in Samoa where he, like, bought a, he'd set up a plantation called Valima, and everyone loved him there, apparently. He wrote something called A Footnote to History, Eight Years of Trouble in Samoa, which is all about how, like... German economic trade was ruining Pacific Islanders' ways of life, and he tried to keep his estate, like, self-sufficient, because we were just, like, taking their land and selling the whatever you grow in Samoa to mm-hmm. people.
2: Samoas. Oh, uh
1: Good one. Um, and that's actually, he took a name, Tusatala, and if you go to, like, the, the RLSmuseum.org, which is, like, the website for this house that he used to own, They refer to him exclusively as this Samoan name, which means "teller of tales." So he apparently, you know, befriended a lot of people there, and they really liked him.
2: And he was a lot of the the authors we read. They write a book and then they die, and then after that, they get famous. This guy, he actually was a he was a literary celebrity during his lifetime. He was sometimes consigned to like a second tier of -hmm. of authors Mm -hmm. because like modern literature started coming up, and he wrote adventure stories mostly. So apparently, Virginia Woolf hated
1: him. Like, really ragged on him for being inconsequential. Mm. Um, Weird. I mean, if he's that
2: inconsequential, why are you writing about him so much? I know that. But he influenced uh, Nabokov, Jan Barry, Hemingway, Arthur Conan Doyle, and a lot of other authors. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and if you don't know him from Treasure Island, he also wrote uh, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which we did for the show like 800 years ago. Yep. Checks out. Um, yeah, so he's he's a guy. He wrote books. He is so a guy. <laughs> in summary.
1: Yeah. Uh, so talking about Treasure Island, um, it was originally titled The Sea Cook, A Story for Boys. Yeah. Think about that. I don't know. Uh, he began writing it. Uh, it was published in 17 weekly issues of Young Folks magazine. From- <laughs>
2: That sounds like the name of a fake magazine that you would make up to like try and track, <laughs> troubled teens. Like, hey, you gonna go to the party later? I read about it in Young Folks Magazine. You don't know.
1: It's the old times. Um, Louis <laughs> Stevenson uh, said of the story, it was to be a story for boys. No need of psychology or fine writing. <laughs> And I had a boy at hand to be a touchstone. I think he's referring to his son-in-law. He just um, found a boy. No. <laughs> uh, women were excluded, and then I had an idea for Long John Silver, from which I promised myself funds of entertainment to take an admired friend of mine to deprive him of all his finer qualities and higher graces of temperament and to leave him with nothing but his strength, his courage, his quickness, and his magnificent geniality, and to try to express these terms in the culture of a raw tarpaulin. I don't know what the last part means. I don't really. I lost thread there, but I know what a tarpaulin is. It's a tarp. You're the worst. Um, This is a
2: a heavy-duty waterproof cloth, originally a tarp canvas. Of
1: course, it is, Andrew. Historical
2: a sailor's tarp or oilskin hat.
1: Yep, thanks. Um, It's in the lineage. It is basically the pirate book, Mm -hmm. like all popular. Imagery about pirates can Including be- Including
2: Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell the Tales.
1: <laughs> in well, years 2017. Well, I haven't seen the film yet, but I imagine it would, yes. Um, it uh, elaborates on a genre called the desert island romance, which has a lineage back to our old friend Robinson Crusoe, mm-hmm. um, and kind of jettisons this, like, this genre called the navy yarn, which is, I guess, like, here's a story about a dude in the navy who did something cool, Uh, That's not what this is. Uh, And he borrowed from a bunch of other uh, writers that came before him, including Robinson Crusoe, and took a lot of inspiration from this book called uh, The History of the Notorious Pirates. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other things by Captain Johnson. And that is like, that's the book, that's like Plutarch's Lives, but for pirates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Margaret.
0: <laughs>
1: Big Plutarch fan. Big Plutarch fan. Good, good, good. Uh, and he also took a couple other ideas. He took uh, one of the like treasure map details from a Edgar Allan Poe story. And he took some of Billy Bones's background from Washington Irving, who he liked a lot.
2: Well he just drew extensively
1: from his travels for yeah. a lot of the stuff that he wrote, right? Sure. Yeah. Um and this this book is so steeped in pirate stuff that like you could you could develop a lifelong interest in pirates from this book. Could you learn how to be a pirate? Would this
2: be like a good instruction manual for piracy?
1: <laughs> no. There's a couple of, like really big cautionary tales in okay. this book that we'll get to. All right. Um and it's important to know that this is responsible for modern pirate imagery, not Viking imagery, as the internet scolded me. That was the Viking revival in the sixteenth century and its separate Nordic seafaring pirateers are different.
2: Uh, I don't even know why we're going over this. Everybody knows this. Yeah, everybody knows this.
1: <laughs> uh, Andrew, do you want to get into the book or do you want to talk about any other any other of your favorite pirate things?
2: I I mean obviously pirates of the Caribbean Dynamo on the tales. Can we talk about how much I hate Talk Like a Pirate Day? Do you want to talk
1: about Talk Like a Pirate Day?
2: Who knows what Talk Like a Pirate Day is? Who's heard of this? Oh my god. Does anybody know when
1: it's celebrated? September. September nineteenth. Oh, wow. Correct. Wow. Never, never forget. Never forget. <laughs> now, a cursory Google search will direct you to talklikeapirateday.com, and you will learn that two gentlemen invented this day while playing racquetball in on June 6th, oddly enough, 1995. Uh, Andrew, I'm just gonna read this because I know you love it. I hate this. On, <laughs> I'm in hell. On this day, this—I think their names are Mark and Adam. But it doesn't really matter. Um, on this day, for reasons we still don't quite understand, we started giving our encouragement in pirate slang. Mark suspects one of us might have been reaching for a low shot that, by pure chance, might have come up, come off the wall at an unusually high rate of speed and strained something best left unstrained. R, he might have said. They don't even know. They're just. This is an anecdotal story. They don't even remember. By the time our hour on the court was over, we realized that lapsing into pirate lingo had made the game more fun and the time passed more quickly. We decided then and there what the world really needed was a new national holiday: Talk Like a Pirate Day. For seven years, we celebrated National Talk Like a Pirate Day pretty much on our own. <laughs> um... <laughs> Except for one happy accident. One day in early 2002, John chanced upon Dave Barry's email address. And as the entire universe knows, Dave Barry is a syndicated columnist and the author of somewhere between four and 6,000 books and the second funniest man in the universe. So they emailed him. First funniest. I don't... Mm. Tim Allen. Tim
0: Allen.
1: He's got it. Uh, <laughs> uh, we. <laughs> we clicked the send button, casting our bread upon the water, if we may wax biblical. Uh, He then wrote an article in the Miami Herald about it called, R, talk like a pirate, or prepare to be boarded.
2: So basically all you have to do to start a
1: nationwide craze is to trick Dave Barry once. (laughs) I don't know that they tricked him, because his first line is, every now and then some visionary individuals come along with a concept that is so original and so revolutionary that your immediate reaction is, those individuals should be on medication. Dave oh, Barry, Dave everyone. Barry.
2: Why don't we just have him do our podcast? I like his twisted take on modern life.
1: Avast. let's get onto the book. Oh, just,
2: Lord strike me down. Okay, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> hey Andrew! Oh wow, wow! What funny guys? You know what we what are those funny guys. You know what we
1: didn't have at the live show food. We didn't have food. We should have had some. Because I don't know if food was allowed in the library, but maybe we could have had it delivered. Sure. <laughs> I think what. <laughs>
2: I just, so this is supposed to be a Blue Apron ad, right? And you're saying delivery, and I just don't think that blue, – because Blue Apron, what they are is they're the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Um, they try to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, and uh, they do this by supporting a sustainable food system that sets high standards for ingredients and uh, and also builds a community of home chefs. So as you might be able to infer
1: – yes.
2: Blue Apron sends you a box full of food, Mm -hmm. but it's not like pre-made food. It's not like a pizza box with a cooked pizza in it. It's a box with the components for three different meals that serve two people a piece. So a total of six six meals total Uh averages Uh out to less than $10 per person per meal. Just FYI. So you're saying we should have gotten a box of raw food delivered to the library. Yeah,
1: we could have gotten a box this month of... (laughs) Some raw salmon and some orso and some broccoli. We could have pretended that it was delicious salmon piccata. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or we could have gotten some just floppy pork chops and some miso butter and bok choy. You could gnaw on some bok choy uh, and marinated apples. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or you could just like shove a bunch of vegetables together in your mouth and call it vegetable chili. That's how that and works. Su-
2: and sweet baked potatoes with crispy tortilla <laughs> strips. Listen, the way we're describing these these <laughs> foods as just their component <laughs> ingredients is not very advertising. But once you cook all this stuff, like spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice, dang dudes, I made that one. It was pretty good. <laughs> dang, dude. actually, Suzanne, Sus- that was one Susanna made. So I <laughs> uh, won't give credit where it's due. But <laughs> but yeah, well, we I've been we've been um, Blue Apron subscribers for a long time um, and it's really like they like teach you a lot of like fundamentals about how to cook they give you these easy to follow recipe cards every week with pictures and and um and you can save those and you can remake the recipes later if you like them which is pretty cool and they portion
1: um, the ingredients for the recipe so you don't have like leftover bok choy mm-hmm. or like too much goat cheese but like who can mm-hmm. have too much goat cheese am I right? Am I
2: right? <laughs> so andrew what they also they also let you uh sorry i was just gonna say they let you customize what you get oh sure some dietary restrictions. so if you don't eat red meat or if you don't eat meat at all you can you can get a few different options recipes depending on what you want so um what do people gotta do to get this they gotta check if they can check out this week's menu and get their first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash overdue you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait that's blueaproncom slash overdue blue apron a better way to cook R matey i we have another thing to read
1: <laughs> we do we read do. it or i'll make your walk the plank i oh don't make me walk the plank Bluebeard. um it is time to we'll uh, peers. share another message from Buyer's Recourse. Uh, this is uh, one of our listeners who supported us on our Patreon project uh, at the reward tier where we get to give their project a shout-out. So I just want to tell you, the listener, that maybe hasn't heard this, that Buyer's Recourse is a channel made for you it's a YouTube channel Uh, our goal is to highlight and review products and gadgets that we firmly believe will add to your day-to-day life and to help you learn to use them effectively we strive to purchase these review products ourselves so as to give a fully unbiased review and experience them in the same way that you the viewers would if you would like to support the show you can also uh, to help them purchase products Uh, they'll be starting up a Patreon page soon but uh, you can follow them on Twitter at buyers underscore recourse so that's buyers b u y e r s underscore recourse r e c o u r s e for updates uh and for links to the channel uh yeah they've done some some tech reviews and some gadget reviews already you can go check them out there and and like they said it's kind of hands-on and, and as if not like they have a little more information than i do i think as a tech neophyte <laughs> But I think they're actually like aiming I just, I it. I enjoy me.
2: listening to you figure this out.
1: Yeah, they're aiming it at folks like me who are like use technology, but but don't know too much about it. Okay. So we should talk about the plot of this book, right? Okay. Okay. So it's set in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of nondescript, though, if you, like, inferred some... Uh, I didn't use that word right. No, n- Never a sentence I, I I'll tell you. you inferred some information about the pirates that were mentioned, you could guess it was in the 1750s. No, Did I do it right? No, you inferred. Okay, yeah. thanks. Um, and it starts... This is a thing, like, for uh, this, 10 years, he <laughs> doesn't know how to use it for implied. reply. <laughs> about it after the show. Don't. Don't, please don't. Um, and it starts with our first-person narrator, Jim Hawkins, a young lad of indeterminate teenage years, I imagine. the wishbone character, for those you, of you coming at it. Oh, the great. Okay, respect. good. He's a dog, let's say. No, he's a boy. He's a, he's a dog. He's a boy. Um, and he's been asked to jot down the story of Treasure Island uh, by his friends Squire Trelawney and Dr. Livesey, uh, who go on this adventure with him. And we start the story in the inn that Jimbo like works in with his parents. I'm just gonna call him Jimbo if that's, that's all right, right. with yeah, you. Do it. Um, and Jimbo's dad is really sick, uh, and this kind of leaves like a power vacuum in the inn that is filled by a pirate. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean I'm yeah, sure. Uh, and he comes in, you find out later his name is Billy Bones. And he comes in, he kicks in the That's door. A really good name. And he's and he's singing his my name is Billy Bones. He's singing his song Fifteen <laughs> Men on the Dead Man's Chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Like that. However that goes. However so that tune goes. Yep. And despite his shoddy appearance, he seems like a dude of some authority. Uh, so he becomes kind of like an attraction in the inn. Um, even though he's like eating all their food and like doesn't pay for anything, <laughs> so he's like running up a big tab, mm-hmm. and he tells Jimbo that like, hey, keep your weather eye open for a seafaring man with one leg. Mm-hmm. And Jimbo's like, okay, that's cool, I can do that. Great.
2: Now I will give it a break because this is the pirate book, but I figure there are a lot of like, there's got to be a lot of peg like pirates out there, right? I think this is the book
1: that's like, yo, that's
2: responsible have... for
1: it's one perpetuating of them. that stereotype. It's one of okay. them. Yeah. Um, ironically enough. Okay, eh, we'll get there. He doesn't have a book. Um, I don't know if that's a terrible one. What's happening? Um, so, twice this old pirate is visited at this inn, not by ghosts like Christmas Carol style, um, but other pirates come looking for him. Mm-hmm. And one is his uh, his old pal Black Dog, who comes, I know, right, my favorite. Is that a
2: Led Zeppelin song? It's, the, it's one of the lesser Led Zeppelin albums.
1: Really? What? No. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he comes in and he almost gets in a fight with uh good old Captain Billy Bones and they he like kinda stabs him with his sword and, and Black Dog runs away, uh and Billy Billy Bones collapses with a stroke. Now Billy Bones drinks a lot of rum. Mm-hmm. And this is the part where talking about modeling for pirates, like pirates drink a lot. And it always goes bad. <laughs> so the doctor shows up and is like, hey Billy Bones, you really have to stop drinking. You're gonna you're gonna have a stroke and die. Mm-hmm. Um, and other pirates throughout the book will like get so drunk that they just start fighting each other instead of doing whatever they're supposed to be doing. Um, stop so, me. If you've seen I mean, that one before why do they,
2: do they drink to forget, do you think? Like what do they
1: yeah, probably. What have they seen
2: out there on the high seas that makes them drink like
1: that? Nothing dude? you or I will ever see. Alright.
2: Um,
1: so I <laughs> get uh, after the doctor <laughs> visits Billy Bones um, and leaves, uh, he admits, Billy Bones does, to Jimbo, that he was a member of Captain Flint's crew. And Captain Flint had this treasure on an island, and that's what's in the big chest that Billy Bones has been carrying around. That's with him. the treasure island. That is the treasure island. Okay. Now, Captain Flint died, but all the other dudes from that crew are going to come. They, they want this treasure, mm. and they know that Billy Bones has it, mm-hmm. and now they know that he's at the inn. Okay. It's like, so he has the treasure
2: and not directions to the treasure?
1: He has some of the, seems like he has some of the treasure, mm-hmm. directions to the rest of the treasure inside of a box. Pirates are weird. Okay. Let me keep treasure and the map to more treasure inside of treasure. Mm-hmm. I'm a pirate. <laughs> uh and while this is going on, Jim's poor dad dies. We never meet him. He just dies. And uh, this is this is important because Jim is kind of like, now he's his own man. Like, he's the man of the house mm-hmm. and uh, Wikipedia calls this a coming-of-age story. I don't know that that's true. Um, but he is then beset uh, after the funeral by a second pirate man who is a blind man named Pew. P-E-W. Gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, like, grabs him by the arm and is like, take me to Billy Bones. And he's like, I guess, sure, like, wh- okay. Is
2: just Does this guy have a face that pirates like? Is there any reason in he's particular white pirates are attracted to him?
1: Okay. He's just, well, they know that Billy Bones is at the inn. I see. That's right. it. Um, and Pew gives Billy Bones the black spot. Andrew, do you know what the black spot is? I think you can catch it if you're not careful enough. Yeah, you've been <laughs> to hell <health> class. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, No, it's a piece of paper that tells you when you're going to (laughs) die. So kind of like a thing you catch somewhere. Um, And uh, Billy Bones looks at it, and he's like, oh, uh, oh, 10 o'clock? Well, I'll do better than that. And he stands up and dies. (laughs) Like, he just, like, gets himself into a state of such, like, physical anxiety that he just collapses Mm -hmm. from a second stroke, I suppose. Yep. (laughs) Now, meanwhile, Jimbo and his mom know that the par- the pirates are gonna come and get this treasure at ten o'clock, because mm-hmm. they don't know that Billy Bones just killed himself. Mm-hmm. And so they go where they run in the village, and they're like, "Yeah, we need." It's kind of like Chicken Little. They're like, "The pirates are coming! The pirates are coming!" And everyone's like, "I don't want to mess with no pirates." <laughs> Good luck, everyone. Do you, do you
2: know where this town is? Like where uh, why somewhere pirates
1: are just swarming like all the time? No, it's a dock in like Western England. Okay. There, I don't know exactly. They end up in the town of Bristol, like the port town. Um, but I don't know that that's the, the little hamlet that they're in. Okay, that's cool. hopeful. Um, so Jim and his mom. A Jimbo, sorry, have to uh, deal with this on their own. And there's this like scene where they're like, "Oh, well, he owed us this debt, so we're gonna like open his chest and oh, his not his chest, but his the box with his gold in it, and we're gonna take out the gold that belongs to us for all the food of ours that he ate." And his mom's like, "But we're not gonna take more than that." And they waste their time doing this. Uh, so much that the pirates are like coming you can hear blind blind man Pew's like cane like tapping down the street mm-hmm. as he's coming to get him. Uh, and they run away, they they make out with the, the some of the treasure and like an oil skin packet that clearly has papers in it. Uh, and they're saved when like some cops show up basically a guy named Mr. Dance on a horse. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and he, he he just tramples Pew with his horse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This book's raw man <laughs> uh, and from there uh, Jimbo and his mom, like, they, they get taken back to the inn. It's okay. They end up going to the doctor's house where they meet Squire Trelawney. And Squire Trelawney's like, yo, let's open that packet. Let's find out what's on what's going on in there. And they find a treasure map. And Trelawney's like, okay, here's what we're doing. Doctor, you quit your practice. I'm going to go get us a boat. Kid's going to be our cabin boy. Let's go. Three weeks. <laughs> meet back here. We're going to Treasure Island. And Jim's like, Sure.
2: Find a piece of paper in a dead drunk guy's like bag. Yeah. Like, well, I studied for a long time to be a doctor, but I guess I know where treasure is now. So bye.
1: Like later. Uh huh. It sounds reasonable. So, several weeks go by while they're planning this trip, and the doctor's main concern is that word is going to get out about this passage. Right? Uh Why would that be bad? (laughs) Right. Because if
2: other people try to find the treasure,
1: then nobody
2: gets treasure. That's true. Yeah. Only the bad guys only get the treasure. The, yeah, right. yeah.
1: O- the, only the bad guys ever get the treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a letter that arrives from Squire Trelawney who's like, hey, I got this boat. It's called the Hispaniola. Um, I got some cool dudes to be on the boat. And everyone's really excited about the trip. Everyone's really excited to find the treasure. And Jimbo has seem like really good guys. And Jimbo has this story <laughs> where he goes... That's not great. Like, he just knows. He knows. Um, and he says in the letter that he hired a cook named Long John Silver. Now, Andrew, I have to tell you, I had a moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: where I realized that's why the fast food restaurant is called Long John Silver.
2: Okay, I have, I have a lot of questions. I'm here for them. How long between reading the name and and like having that thought? How much time elapsed between those two?
1: Not very much. I like stopped reading. Like I saw. Oh, so you had long... to stop
2: and think about it.
1: Yeah. No, I was thinking. I had to stop because I was thinking about it. Okay. Think about that. <laughs> I saw the words Long John Silver and I saw the word cook and I was like, makes sense now. Like that. My whole life I've wondered. I solved the fast food riddle. I've never eaten at one of those. They look disgusting. Yeah,
2: no, that's. <laughs> I've got to imagine that for everybody who's been food poisoned at Long John Silver's, which is everybody who's ever eaten there, this book has got to be very a tough read. <laughs>
1: Lots of, lots of kids, like, getting excuses not to read it in class because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they had the tartar sauce. Yes. Um,
0: so, yeah,
1: I know. Think about it. You don't want that stuff in the middle of Kansas. You probably don't. Um, so, they go to Bristol where the Hispaniola is docked, and there's this, they've got a captain, his name's Captain Summit, and they're going to go get Long captain John Captain Summit? Captain Summit? Captain... Let me make sure I get that right. I just
2: like there are a lot of cool names, so far. I'm just making sure these names are all as cool as
1: you're telling me they Captain are. Captain Smollett, sorry. Smollett. All right. Summit's better. Summit, let's call him Captain Summit. Captain, Captain Summit, and, Summit Jimbo and Jimbo and the doctor and the squire. That's mm-hmm. who we have so far. And mm-hmm. the squire's got some good dudes, and then there's a whole bunch of other kind of rowdy dudes who, who are excited for this trip. Uh and Jimbo has to go get Long John Silver from his restaurant <laughs> before the trip. And that's when you see Long John Silver uh And he's got, like, a crutch. Uh, He doesn't have a peg leg, Mm -hmm. but he has one leg. It was cut off close by the hip, and under the left shoulder he carried a a crutch, which he managed with wonderful dexterity, hopping about upon it like a bird. Uh, And later when he's on the boat, he, like, has this system where it's, like, on a like a necklace, basically, like a loose necklace that he can just kind of swing it under his arm and, like, hop around the boat. He's very nimble, Long John Silver is. I just
2: can't stop, like, what guy was thinking, I have a restaurant, I need to name it something. <laughs> I know. Pirate.
1: Yeah. Long well, John Silver. He's a very, he factors into the story. He's okay. a very important pirate. Scoundrel from a yes. book. Um, and you might think back when we first met uh, Billy Bones, he warned us about a one-legged seafarer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, uh, Jimbo thinks about this, and he's like, huh, maybe I should be worried. But one look at the man before me was enough. i had seen the captain and black dog and the blind man pew, and I thought I knew what a buccaneer was like. A very different creature, according to me, from this clean and pleasant-tempered landlord. (laughs) So, instantly, we are trusting Lon John Silver, even though, spoiler alert, we should not. (laughs) Uh, and Captain Smollett's a cool dude because they interview him like right before they go out on his viola and he's like I don't like any of these guys. This looks bad. But they all go out anyway. Well, please? he says, "Hey, Dr. Squire Jimbo, uh and your your friend whatever his name is, um like put all the guns in my room and like keep all keep the treasure map to yourself. Uh don't well, let any of I them That's what I tell people it. when I go over to stay at their houses too. <laughs> You're going on like a Four-month journey to the West Indies, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, but those guys might take the guns and kill us. So, like, lock them up in Just your room. Just hide
2: them really good. Just hide them. Really I don't save us.
1: Um, so we get we go on this trip, and we're worried that there's going to be a mutiny. Um, there's a guy named Arrow. There's Job Anderson. There's Israel Hands. Come on. <laughs> also known as Basilica Hands, based on a real pirate. Uh you got any questions so far? No, I'm just like what? I'm really into this Are there more names? Not like one guy's named Tom. It's like really uninteresting. What?
2: And
1: I think another guy named Alan like bites it at one point. But Here's it... my
2: friend Arrow and Israel hands and Tom. He showed up late when we were handing out pirate names. <laughs>
1: So they're on this boat, and they're going, like, at one point, I, I'm glad that you guys mentioned in your uh, ATV episode that uh, Wishbone kind of just skips over the part where they go to the island, because so does Jimbo. <laughs> he's just like, we're just on the boat. We go, uh, there right, is. I you, That's boring. That's I know. It's boring. It's part. Boring. That's a long book. Um, there is a scene where Jimbo finds himself inside of an apple barrel, an empty apple barrel. He, like, mm-hmm. reached in and fell inside, because he's a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids do that. And while he's in there, he overhears Long John Silver, like, trying to uh, get one of the crewmen on the side of the mutineers. And then, like, Basilica, Hand, Israel Hands, whatever his given name is. Mr. I don't know. Hands. Mr. Hands. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Hands is my father. <laughs> a lot of dad issues on this episode. Um, he uh, He overhears this, like, plot. And part of this... Long John Silver's a crafty guy. He's run, He's capable of running a restaurant. Like He knows what's up. Uh, he knows that none of the mutineers are capable of piloting this boat. That's the right word. Piloting? Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, you pilot a boat. You pilot a drive boat. Drive it. Yeah. You, just, you <laughs> drill that boat through the ocean. Um, the verb also is
2: boat, actually.
1: You boat you that boat. It. You do boat it. Um, he knows that none of these guys are good enough at boating to get them home. So they probably want to go get the treasure and then kill everyone on the way back.
2: That makes the most sense. It makes the it's most really sense. really sensible,
1: practical. Like get them whatever. back into the trade winds and then they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jimbo knows that he has some time. He spills the beans uh, to Doctor, the captain, the captain. I thought he was in an
2: apple barrel now. He's got all these beans.
1: <sighs> My mistake. Uh-huh. He spills all the yeah. apples to Doctor and Squire <laughs> Trelawney and, and the Captain and I think a guy named Abe. Um, again, they ran out of fire names. I'll change this
2: one later, he says.
1: And they realize that they're outnumbered like six good guys to 19 bad guys. And one of the six guys is a kid. So they're like, well. But they
2: have all the guns,
1: though, right? They do have all the guns. Mm-hmm. Um, so finally, when they make it to the island, all of the bad guys are getting really antsy. Because apparently, just like being on the boat for so long, you want to stretch your legs, right? You yeah. want to like run around and I guess like kill a goat or something because mm-hmm. that's what they do on the island. There's lots of goats to kill. That's how I get. Um, <laughs> that's how you get. Yeah, like a long car trip. You just you walk a goat get out of
2: the rest stop and kill a goat.
1: <laughs> flying, flying Jays stopped having goats for you to kill many years ago. Yeah, it was a shame. We'll I repeal know. that regulation, I think. Okay, one one for every two, um, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a deep cut. Um, so they go on, on the island, and Jimbo's not supposed to go with them. They take all the small boats from the big boat, the Hispaniola, and the good guys mostly stay on the on the big boat. And Jimbo like sneaks out on the island, mostly to like eavesdrop on the bad guys, mm-hmm. right? And uh, while he's there, two of the good guys that did go on, on did go ashore get killed. Um, one of them is Alan, who I mentioned before, who just dies off screen. And then the other one gets killed by a ninja Long John Silver. So I'm just going to read. Keep in mind that Long John Silver only has one leg and, like, flips around on a crutch. With a cry, John seized the branch of a tree, whipped the crutch out of his armpit, and sent that uncouth missile hurtling through the air. It struck poor Tom point foremost and with stunning violence right between the shoulders in the middle of his back. To judge from the sound, his back was broken on the spot. But he had no time given him to recover. Silver, agile as a monkey, even without leg or crutch, was on top of him next moment and had twice buried his knife up to the hilt in that defenseless body. Jeez. I made a note that this is like when Yoda was all of a sudden yeah, good no, at lightsabers. I'm just going to say, it's very Yoda.
2: I'm trying to imagine, like, okay, so you have one leg. How do you move that fast? Do you cartwheel? Oh, you must be so good help? at
1: handstands. Yeah,
2: or do you just walk on your hands? Yeah,
1: I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a pirate. He can do what he wants. <laughs> uh so Jim runs away after two guys get killed. He encounters the marooned Ben gun. Gun with okay. two ends. Ooh, that's a good name. That's a good name. He was left there by Captain Flint's crew when they were on the island last. He's been there for three years. Apparently he's really missed eating cheese. Oh, that was in the wishbone, I remember. Oh that. really? Yeah. They talk about the cheese a lot. <laughs> he refers to it as a good Christian diet, and then specifically names cheese. Which so I'm not familiar with that. I don't know. But this got me thinking, Andrew, about a little game called Desert Island. Desert Island. Have you ever played <laughs> Desert Island?
2: I have played Desert Island. Even though, like, what is the win condition of Desert Island when you play it? How do you, how well, do you win? I, I think you win by not saying something embarrassing.
1: So I found how to play Desert Island from www.icebreakers.ws. I don't know what W house is. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and it says, Long, lost on a desert, deserted island is a team-building activity that also helps people share a little about themselves. Given the scenario that everyone is lost and stranded on a deserted island, each person describes one object that they would bring in, why? Uh, and it's recommended for a medium-sized group, but smaller large group sizes are viable too. Um, an indoor setting is ideal. Um, no special props or materials are required and it works well for any age, including adults in corporate settings, Andrew that's good enough So I, I, one, I do
2: I do wonder why it needs to be endorsed
1: like <laughs> what specific so then you you ask people uh, what they would bring on a desert island, and it says that it needn't be a realistic thing um, if you like music, you could bring a guitar or an animal might lo- an animal lover might bring a dog, or a food lover might choose to bring sirloin steaks, and so on um, then after we've shared our objects, we would be broken into groups and asked to MacGyver our objects into a way to survive. So what would you bring?
2: What would I bring? Like and, and you're not gonna narrow the category down at all? Like no what books? Like just what, like, what, just what, would, what you, would I bring? What would you bring? Story? On a desert island. Boat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bam, I hacked it. I just won, I think. I would probably bring a comfortable hoodie for nighttime. Good, good. How do you play Desert us. Island?
2: Okay, what okay, what, what book would you bring on a Desert
1: Island? Oh what book would I bring on a mm-hmm. Desert Island? Hmm. I can't buy any more time. I would probably, uh, I just bring Anders Game, because I like that book. <laughs> <laughs> that's an okay answer. I don't, uh, I, if, thank that's you. I, I have mixed feelings about this whole thing, but I really like that book, so I'd probably bring that book.
2: Okay, okay. I would probably bring Infinite Jest, because it has the most pages, and I could light the biggest fire out of it, which is not a commentary on how I feel about Infinite Jest, it's just it has a lot of pages, and I need fire. Sure, sure.
1: Are there other questions? No, I'm good. Okay, great. All right, so... Uh, anyway, a
2: boat is the answer. A, boat, a boat is boat. the
1: answer. Ben Gunn would bring cheese to everyone.
2: Bring a good boat.
1: Um, so then it becomes like an action movie for a couple chapters, <laughs> and the... What do you mean like Pirates of the Caribbean? Like, you? like yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> um, and so... The the, in
0: 2017.
1: <laughs> The good guys have to escape from the Hispaniola while the mutineers are on board. And uh, they do this, there's this, like, badass moment where Trelawney's, like, standing in a boat, like, in the water, and is like, shoots a guy mm-hmm. in the other boat. Mm-hmm. That seems very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, like, hole up in this, like, abandoned stockade on the island. Eventually, Jim gets there, and there's this, like, siege that happens, Um
2: so Wait, did did you say what the what the um, the catalyst for them like straight up killing each other is like the specific incident that made them? Because I thought the bad guys wanted to keep the good guys who are better at boating alive long enough to actually
1: get home. It seemed like the mutineers were getting too antsy, okay. and Silver said, "Go for it." Mm-hmm. Also, before he. Killed uh, Tom, who was whatever. Before he killed that guy with a crutch uh, and a bunch of knives, he asked him to join the mutineers, and he said no. Said, no, and okay. he said Wah, and he just killed him.
2: Chandler was also there,
1: <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and so then uh, they have to uh, they have to fend off the pirates from their stockade. Uh, Jim sneaks away in like a really dumb move at one point. Um, but eventually, like, finds Ben Gunn's, like, hidden, like, basket Jeez boat. Smile. No, it's... <laughs> it's uh, like a cheese board. And he ends up, like, unmooring the Hispaniola so that the pirates can't have it. Like, they've flown the Jolly Roger, Roger flag, mm-hmm. right? And the Jolly Robert. The Jolly Robert. <laughs> that's... What is it? It's like a smiling it's skull. It's like a
2: skull uh, with, like, party poppers underneath <laughs>
1: the <laughs> I'd hang that on my wall. Uh, and so he, like, cuts the line for that boat and has it, like, float around to a different part of the island. And he has this really awesome line where he has, a, he has a, like, a standoff with Israel Hands. And he thinks Israel is, like, mortally wounded because he got drunk and fought some other guy, probably named Tom. And he, like, comes up to him with his two pistols because Jimbo carries two pistols. And he goes, Come aboard, Mr. Hands. <laughs> Whoa, that's pretty cool. Whoa. He turns into, like, what's, oh, what's the guy's name from Die Hard? Uh, McLean, John McClane. John McClane. It would go. be cooler if I remembered his name. would have been really, really cool. Indiana Jones also, but he doesn't use guns. Um, doesn't? Just Irrelevant. Keep talking uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh,
2: so then, after... If we're going to talk about any movie. It's going to be Pirates of the Caribbean 5, Demon Hilton, <laughs> Come to theaters in twenty seven. So...
1: After Jim uh, shoots Mr. Hands in the face after a protracted battle, which he does do, uh, he makes it back to the stockade only to discover that the pirates are living there now mm-hmm. and that his friends have gone away. He doesn't know where they are.
2: Pirates can just set up anywhere. They just move in. Like you come home and you find like, some doubloons on the windowsill and you just know you're infested with Why pirates. Why is there a parrot poop
1: on my remote control? <laughs> they get up in the attic and you just really the have yard. to get them out. Who drew maps all over my books? Again, <laughs> It's very weird. Uh, and they also find, Jim finds that for some reason, uh, the doctor must have given Long John Silver the actual map because he finds it in the stockade with him. And the mutineers are upset because most of them have been killed by the good guys and they really want to find this treasure and get off the island. So Long John Silver like is leading Jim around and they finally get to the treasure and lo and behold, it's gone. Somebody, oh, it's gone. Somebody dug it all up.
2: Yeah, I know, right? It's not just an empty chest that says it was love all along or something. But... <laughs> it really was the journey that was the, the real
0: treasure.
1: You're really stupid. <laughs> uh, and, and while they're like standing around fighting about the fact that there's no treasure left, um, Doc and, and the squire and his friends start like shooting from the woods and like kill a couple of the pirates and they run off. And then uh, Long John Silver, who's been playing both sides, like playing, like trying to be Jim's friend and then also trying to be the mutineer's friend because he's only looking out for himself. Mm-hmm. He just wants to get back to running his restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they end up marooning the bad guys on the island and taking the treasure and Long John Silver with them. Um, Is it where did the treasure come back from? Long John Silver has it? Ben Gunn. Gunn. Ben Gunn got Our it. boy Ben Gunn had it all along. He's oh. been on that island for three yeah, years, guess, missing like, cheese. he had plenty of time to dig. To do.
2: Yeah, all right. So that.
1: so they find it in his cave, in Ben Gunn's cave, and they take it back. And while they're like... Come on down to Ben
2: Gunn's cave. Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> route route Three. <23. laughs> Souvenirs uh, for the kids. And while they are like animal house ending like on their way back like you know captain smollett retired and (laughs) gray saved his money and got his own boat and a family and Ben Gunn (laughs) spent it or lost it all but ended up singing in a church like that's what happens um jim thinks how many it had cost in the amassing what blood and sorrow what good ships scuttled on the deep what brave men walking the plank blindfold what shot of cannon what shame and lies and cruelty perhaps no man alive could tell So Jim's like, what's that so worth
2: it? Ultimately, the book is negative on both
1: treasure and islands. I I think think. it is. Oh, and Long John Silver gets away. He just, like, slips away. Does he get back to his
2: restaurant, or does he... We don't know. Maybe that's the genesis of it. He went and he franchised it. It's very possible. His life his name lives on,
1: even today. He was in the Caribbean, so he probably could have made it to the... To North America, pretty to like the yeah, mainland, yeah. pretty easily.
2: And then, and then one day you go in the Long John Silver, so you get a fish sandwich, and while you're in the bathroom throwing up, you see <laughs> on the underside of the toilet seat a treasure map. <laughs> and it all starts
1: again. What if, what if it just leads to a Wendy's? Our <laughs> hippie <me> golden nuggets,
2: <laughs> all white meat.
1: So that's Treasure Island. Do you do have look? any? Do you have any questions? Why? Okay, Long John
2: Silver. Yeah. Why is he iconic? Why do we like him so much? So he says. As a character, he says stuff like "Shiver me timbers." He says classic <laughs> pirate things. What? Okay, "Shiver me timbers." What else? What else enters the. Pirate lexicon from this book.
1: Oh, good. Um, they don't say dead man tell no tales. They say dead man don't bite a lot, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of. Good. That
2: was the <laughs> original working title for. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: he also call. He says that people are smart as paint. And it's, does that mean they're smarter? They're dumb. I he, I think he's saying they're like. You're street smart. Like, you, you don't bother with book learning. You're smart as painters. Like, smart. you and me, we're smart as paint. We're on the level.
2: That does not sound right. That does not no, sound right. No,
1: I know. And he says, it, he says it to him when he's in his restaurant, and he meets him first. And then Jimbo overhears him saying it to someone else when he's inside the apple barrel. And Jimbo's like already being like, well, this guy's going to kill all my friends. And also, he called that other guy smart as paint? (laughs) This is how you do me, Silver? I thought that was our thing. That was our thing. Um, A bit of pirate lingo that I didn't know about was uh, before the mast. And this is, like I guess, sailing lingo, but that's guys who sleep ahead of the main mast. So not... Uh, captains, or and are there first like mates. stereotypes
2: about those kind of people? Well, or is they're that just, just afraid.
1: Well, they're just like they're the workmen, they're the shifty dudes oh, okay. that you hire okay, to okay. work okay. on your boat. Cool. Um, they use the term clove hitch, which is a type of knot. Mm-hmm. I not know you ever tied a clove hitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. Mm-hmm. i, I tied a regular everywhere. knot. Ooh, like a boat No, a boat just, boat tie? Like a just a regular just knot. It's like... a shoe, shoe knot. That's I see what have, it's called. Unless you have poop deck written really well, big,
2: it
1: What's the story there, Wichita? Probably... <laughs> it's the highest deck at the stern of a large ship, usually above the captain's quarters. That
2: is, that is not as
1: good an answer as so no, I said. Don't, no, I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Um, do you know why you say shiver me timbers, Andrew? It's because you're cold. No, it's, it's an expression of surprise or strong emotion. Okay. Because when you're out on out at sea and the timbers supporting the boat like shiver because you're in rough weather, mm-hmm. you're like, ooh, I'm scared. There's bad weather coming, uh-huh. which is bad. Shiver me so shivery timbers, and <laughs> uh, then a couple others that aren't in this book that I thought were well. There's one more I want to get to. Uh, there's three that were not in this book that I thought were funny from the internet. Um, loaded to the Gun Walls mm-hmm. which just means you're drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Crack Jenny's teacup. Nice. Um. It means spending the night with a prostitute.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and this fits in with this violent, violent book. Cleave him to the brisket, Andrew. Is killing a man by cutting him across his chest from shoulders to stomach. Cleave him to, cleave him to the brisket. I want to use it as like a power to you phrase. Yeah, you cleave him to the brisket. Uh, And then, one I just want to share is, this is a classic Struck Me Funny, a wonderful weekly segment on Overdue. Um, Commenting the Hispaniola, Captain Smollett says, uh, excuse me, Captain Summit, better name. um, She'll lie a point nearer the wind than a man has a right to expect of his own married wife, sir.
0: A point nearer the wind
1: she'll lie a point nearer the wind than a man has a right to expect of his own married wife, sir. Why am I reading it like that peanuts character who says Sir all the time? Marcy Marcy Do you know anybody's name I don't
2: John McLean uh yeah I don't know what the it's, name is it's, that. it's sort of like it's the wives like
1: always getting too close to the wind <laughs> It's you sort of it like like the boat's willing to get put itself in difficult positions. <laughs> <laughs> interesting <laughs> more than <laughs> uh, but Long John is interesting because he's this like he is the classic like uh, rogue and, and he will play every angle like he uh, when he's in trouble he tries to befriend the doctor and Jim uh, when he doesn't think that they're going to help him he goes to the mutineers and he's constantly like you know, juggling plates, or you know, walking on eggshells, or pick another idiom um, to keep himself safe. Well, he probably shouldn't walk on eggshells because he only has the one leg. You should be careful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's apparently very nimble, though. Yes, it's you know. true.
1: Anything else you want to know about Treasure Island? Uh, uh,
2: no, no, so. no. Okay. What's your okay? So you have watched other pirate stuff, right? Like, I what's your what's your other favorite pirate thing?
1: Other oh, than Pirates of the, of *The Caribbean 5, other, Dead yeah, yeah, Tell no other Tale. Other than that one. Um, probably the first. I saw the first Pirates of the Caribbean, like, three times. In theaters? Oh, my God. At least one of them was the midnight showing, and I fell asleep, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, Andrew, I was in high school, and the sword fights went along to the music, and I was blown
0: away. Whoa. Well, that is pretty cool. Bump bum, da bum, bum da bum bum ba bum da
2: I fell asleep during the second Matrix movie.
1: <laughs> so many pirates in that one. No, it was like
2: computer pirates. Yeah, that's true. That's what Neo was before Morpheus. Came he was a bed. hacker. That's like a pirate. <gasps> Line yeah, mind free. Okay, are we good? What, yeah. What you... <laughs> we're good. we're always good. Did you like the book? I love. I actually really like the book. The book. What I did actually... you What did you think about it? I tell that. me.
1: About, actually, tell me about the
2: prose a little bit because we didn't talk about it much Shh. other than the weird wind thing that you read. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's pretty effective at just like the action of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple. Parts in the book that, as I as I reference, are really savage. Uh, so, like when Pew gets trampled by that horse, mm-hmm. uh, the guy Arrow gets so drunk that he just disappears, and the captain's like, "All right, cool." <laughs> um, he's just like, he's not on the boat anymore, and the captain's like, "All right, cool." Um, there's that section I read where Ninja Long John Silver ends a dude, um, and then uh, there's a section where they're defending the stockade against pirates, and uh, this guy Hunter like gets like walloped with a, with a gun He says at the same moment another pirate grasped Hunter's musket by the muzzle wrenched it from his hands plucked it through the loophole and with one stunning blow laid the poor fellow senseless on the floor like Stevenson just isn't messing around and later you find out that like Hunter dies because his chest is caved in and he broke his head when he fell on the ground from his chest being broken in and like Stevenson's not messing around
2: yeah that's, that, that prose is very like blunt
1: Yeah, Uh, he could hit you with it, and you would fall on the ground and crack your head. As he said, uh, it was a story for boys. No need of psychology or fine writing. (laughs) Story for boys. Uh, And then I also, I also just want to give you a sense of how uh, Long John Silver speaks. So at one point, Ben Gunn sneaks up to the pirate camp and like kills people, kills someone in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. uh, and Silver suspects it was the doctor, but the doctor doesn't know, and. Long John Silver says, "'Duty is duty to be sure.'" Well now you look here, that was a good lay of yours last night. this is not a pirate voice. It's a good lay of yours last night, governor. I don't deny it was a good lay. Some of you pretty handy with a hand spike end, and I'll not deny neither, but what some of my people was shook. Maybe all was shook, maybe I was shook myself. Maybe that leghorn? Maybe that's why I'm here for terms. But you mock me, Cap'n. It won't do twice, by thunder. And now you're, now you're Kangaroo Jack. Now you're a like, you That's the voice I heard when I read the book. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: I'm Your sorry accent work you. is about as good as Wishbone's. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks everybody for coming. <laughs> so. If you want to uh, go read Treasure Island and, and tell us uh, about your favorite part where a dude got killed in the children's book, uh, you can send us an email at overduepod at gmail.com. Uh, many of you have been like, posting photos of this awesome event to our uh, social media pages. I'm getting notifications. i see you. <laughs> at <laughs> twitter.com slash overduepod and facebook.com slash overduepod. Uh, Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? Uh,
2: they go to overduepodcast.com where they can find out more about the podcast that
1: we do together. Uh, Can we get a big round of applause for Appointment Television? Uh, Can we get a big round of applause for the Free Library of Philadelphia? Uh, And last but certainly not least, can we get a big round of applause for Tegan and Nathan from the Philly PodFest who set this whole thing up. Thank you guys.
2: One more, one more round of applause for Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: (laughs) Don't do that. Um, Thanks, everybody.
2: the hate-